Played for the New York Giants, Minnesota Vikings in the NFL, then went to full-time Bellator MMA. The great Matt Mitrione joins us. How are you, man? What's up, man? How you doing, Mr. Bruno? Now, you don't have to call me Mr. Bruno, man. <laughs> well, you know. No, you're a class guy. How you doing, man? What are you up to these days? Brother, I'm I'm just kind of uh, I'm just kind of trying I'm trying to stay in shape, but not well. That's not true. I'm trying to stay active, not necessarily trying to stay in shape, because staying in shape takes a little bit too much effort when you don't have something in front of you. So I'm just trying to stay active, keep involved. Uh, I'm doing some work on my house, so I'm just trying to trying to trying to stay sane, brother. That's all. Now we remember when you were at the Super Bowl and you were doing that, uh, you know, the Bellator uh, Heavyweight World Grand Prix and. I mean, the fight of the, the guys in the rampage, Sonnen, you know, you and Nelson, and, uh, and Fedor, and Ryan Bader, and Mir. You know, I mean, these were guys who were the legends of MMA. And that was a great tournament, man. And you, I'm telling you, man, you did yourself proud of that. And a lot of people now will get the chance to see it again, right? Yes, sir. Yeah, they're, they're re-showing them now. And I think, I think actually they're showing some of the best, uh, the best results, the best, uh, best finishes. So really, I like a lot what Bellator is doing. I think that uh, I think they've got a good idea. I think it's a captive audience. I think there's a, a large amount of people that don't really get to watch MMA very much. They're going to be watching it now, especially being on CBS Sports. I think that's pretty much one of the best things that we could do for uh, the, the popularity of the brand. So you had a uh, uh, you had a, a basic promotion announcement last Saturday night, but the actual show. Every Wednesday night, starting tomorrow night, April 29th at 8 p.m. on CBS Sports Network, as you said, this is where you will be able to see what they're calling Bellator Recharged. So you don't have to do anything else here, right? You don't have to go back and get back in the ring. I mean, this is going to be introduced by Big John McCarthy, who is one of the analysts for Bellator. So Mm -hmm. you're just going to be sitting back and watching yourself and the fights that you had before. Do you have any extra uh, stuff going on during these broadcasts? No, I don't have anything else going on, but I'm just going to be sitting back watching me punch and kick this bloated uh, vagrant in the face and the stomach and the shins. What I'm going to be doing, brother, just sitting back, probably crack open the beer and just watch me whoop him. That's about it. <laughs> now, <laughs> did, you, did you know this, Tony? Jason Wirth, former Philly, former Washington National great, actually got him into MMA. I did not know that. Yeah, how did that happen? Well, so Worth and I grew up in the same town. Now, I'm, I'm obviously quite a bit older than he is, but um, grew up in the same hometown, and I started a sports nutrition company when the NFL got done with me in week six of 05. So it took about two years to get started on it, and then the product found its way into Worth's hand, and Worth liked it. And then we kind of got in touch through that again because we lost touch for a little while. And then he told me that he was putting on a show called the Capital City Cage Wars in our hometown of Springfield, Illinois. And asked me if I would go ahead and jump on the show and uh, and help him sell some tickets. So I said, "Yeah, of course." And um, got injured. Never ended up going on his show. But then by that time, I was friends with the guys I was training with to get ready for that fight. And they had fought in the UFC. And then I get a phone call from the UFC about six months later, saying, "Hey, look, we're doing Ultimate Fighter Heavyweights Edition, and we hear you're athletic and obnoxious. So come on out and be obnoxious for us." And then 11 years later, I here I am, brother. <laughs> that is awesome. Matt Mitrion. Now, Matt, you had one of the most brutal fights in the, the pictures. Everybody's seen it of your eye. And you thought for a while, did you think you were not going to be able to see again when you had that thumb to the eye back a couple years no, before? No, I wasn't really tripping about it, man. I knew that I could still see. I was just seeing double. Um, and I should have. It was not a good decision for me to keep fighting after, like, they stopped the fight for the second time I got one of, uh, that I got. 
But, you know, it, it, I, I figured it was probably my last fight in the UFC. I was a free agent, and I already knew that I was going to get paid a lot more to go somewhere else. So I decided to jump ship, and I was like, you know, it's how, how is my last fight in the UFC ever going to be if I, if I win by disqualification? Like, go out of my shield and let's see what happens. Um, but I, I never had a concern of not being able to see out of it permanently. Now, the football thing, we talked about it multiple times with you over the years. You know, you got into the NFL, you got to play a little bit, and certainly you knew you weren't going to be a superstar in the National Football League. So how soon after that? Was that when you and Jason Wirth got together? Did you think about MMA while you were playing in the National Football League? No, brother, never, never at all. I, um, I only thought about MMA when the ultimate fighter called, and I thought to myself, you know what, dude, this absolutely terrifies me as far as my idea goes, but there's not a better chance for promotion and free, um, you know, and, and free uh, um, uh, eyes on my product. I would never be able to pay for that amount of exposure. So I, I was like, you know what, even if I go out there and get my butt kicked, at least I got some free exposure for the company, and it was worth the marketing aspect of it. So I went out there and then um, beat, the, beat the guy who had already fought in the UFC and fought in K-1 kickboxing uh, named Scott Junk. I beat him pretty handily, uh, and especially in the first round or so until I got gassed. And then, um, and then I was the bad guy on the show for the rest of the episodes. So then I fought the, the show favorite, and then after I fought the favorite, I fought Kimbo. And once I beat Kimbo, I mean, everything changed. Yeah, Kembo was Kimbo of course slice. one of the great yeah. stories. The guy with the internet. You talk about viral videos. Street fighter. Guy yeah. who became famous by having his tapes on the streets and became a yeah, superstar man. as a result of being a street fighter. So he was on the Ultimate Fighter with us. Mm -hmm. uh, that was season ten heavyweights, and uh, that was did we film that in two thousand and nine, um, and and so that was when Kimbo was at his peak. Like everybody knew who Kimbo was. Yeah. And um, out of 12 episodes, I think they named eight after me because I was just so obnoxious and such a, uh, just a, a character on that show. And then afterwards, like, I, had a, I, think, I'd, I think I had an 85% fan disapproval rating. And I was told that with, after I beat Kimbo, I had, an, I had like a 92% fan approval rating. Wow. So it's safe to say yeah. that you, you were a heel. Oh, I would say, oh, for sure, brother, for sure. <laughs> but, you know, and it was funny because, like, so we had an agreement, me and this dude, Scott Jones, the guy I fought, we had an agreement to help each other through the first round. And it was his idea. He, he approached me the day before we reported to the show. So I was like, sure, man, I don't know anybody else there, so I might as well set myself an alliance. So once we found out that my team was in control, my team was Rashad, his team was Rampage, I held up my end of the bargain that he proposed. I told him who he was fighting, and I told him who I was fighting. And then the dude goes downstairs and throws it under the bus. Like, Mitrione just snitched on everybody and blah, blah, blah. So then from that point on, I was obviously disliked. So I was like, you know what? All I could do was whoop this dude. That's it. Now, you, you fought so all I these guys. I could to beat him. No, I mean, and obviously, when you talk about the names that were floating around back in the early days of this, I mean, legends. Of all these guys that you've had a chance to fight, who was the, who was the, who was the best? Because people were talking about Fedor for a long time, and all these guys, Rampage, Sonnen. I mean, not, there's, not Fedor, one, there's not one slouch in the entire group here. Yeah, I mean, uh, Frank Mir is incredible. Uh, Chael Sonnen is, is an insane wrestler with, great, with a great gas tank. Um, Bader is, is an all, multiple-time All-American in college, and he's been very successful over time in, in the UFC. Um, but I would say... The most threatened I've ever been in a fight was against Fedor. And that only lasted 71 seconds when I fought him. 
Uh, and, and it was such a dramatic ending to that fight. But I had never felt so threatened in my life uh, that I was, I was, I was, wasn't nervous, but I had a lot of anxiety about the calculations that were going on moment to moment to moment to moment. Yeah, I mean, he's an imposing. I mean, most of these guys are imposing, but Fedor, you know, he was bigger than life for, for many years back then. Yeah, and, you know, it's, he's, I'm quick. Especially for heavyweight, I'm very, very quick. And dude, he keeps his hands, Fedor, keeps his hands so low, and he goes from his, his hips to your face so fast. I mean, it was incredible. As a matter of fact, Philly's own Eddie Alvarez, yeah, um, mm-hmm. fought you know fought the UFC and fought um, Conor McGregor. Yeah, and one of the things that Eddie said in conversation, and I don't believe I'm talking at school here. I don't think you'd mind this. He said that Conor's Conor's hands went from set to Eddie's face faster than Eddie could tighten up his neck. That's how fast Conor's hands were in, in mm-hmm. the moment. And I felt. I felt like at that moment that Fedor hit me and I hit Fedor at the exact same time and we dropped each other, I felt I had completely understood Eddie's position once that happened. Like, I think to myself I can avoid pretty much any punch, and Fedor threw that joint so fast and hit me square in, like, like in the neck or chest area that I, I didn't even have a response. I just hit the ground and popped up before he did. That's it. Well, you know, Eddie's a good friend of the show. We've had him on many, many times, and he was an up-and-comer in boxing. And then, as you mentioned, that fight, everybody was thinking that he had a chance, and then he went into the ring, and we know the rest of that story. Uh, <laughs> dude, Eddie, Eddie's an incredible competitor, and I, I, I think that most likely the, the gravity of the moment might have gotten to him a little bit. I think if he, could, if he could ever run that back and do it again, I think that he'd be much more successful than what he was. This might be a dumb question, uh, Tony, but with your athleticism, your toughness, uh, you know, was there ever an, an idea of going over into the wrestling game? You know, I've been asked to do that, and um, I've crossed paths. When I go train in Florida, I stay at the same place that uh, Vince McMahon and Triple H and, and Stephanie all live. Um, so I've crossed paths with them before, and it's, it's been brought up. Uh, but it's not really my gig, man. I'm, I'm, a, I'm an all-or-nothing type of guy. And I understand that, they, that it is a very complicated life that they have and a very complicated script and, and everything else. But I, I don't – it's just never been a thing that captivated me. Mm. You think you could take uh, – you could take uh, what's-his-face down there in Tampa Bay now when he was wrestling a little bit? Gronkowski. Gronk. You think you and Gronk in a ring, how long would he last with you? Yeah, in, a, in a real fight? Yeah. Oh, brother, who knows, man. I've never seen Gronk really move that much. But one thing I do notice, we train with a lot of football guys down at the gym in Florida, and I train with a lot of football guys here at Purdue because I live at Purdue University. Mm-hmm. And one of the things that, that, that we noticed often is that most football players do not have rotational flexibility. They don't have much rotational strength, and they don't turn their hips very well from left to right. Um, so they can run linearly, and they can drop laterally, but when it comes to rotational flexibility, they really don't have much of it at all. Uh, and that's in their shoulders, that's in their hips, across the board. Now, you mentioned so Purdue. I think that's pretty important to being able to uh, fight. You mentioned Purdue, and obviously, you know, you think of Drew Brees and uh, a lot of guys who came from Purdue. But Drew Brees, now, you you and Drew Brees tight? Yeah, Drew and I were in the same class together. Uh, we lived in the same building for many, many years. We're still friends. We see each other uh, when he comes back into town. 
Uh, I was going to go down to New Orleans for a little bit, and I was going to probably cross past him down there. So we get along, and he follows my career. I obviously follow his, uh, and it's just uh, we don't talk on a regular basis, but we always get along. Like I said, we are in the same class, so we have a bunch of ties that keep us together. How's that uh, Rondale Moore doing? He's coming back from that injury. Is he 100%? No, he looks really good, man. Might be a little chubby right now, but he, <laughs> he looks pretty. He's actually he's, uh, he's my next-door neighbor. Like, I'm doing work at my house, so I'm living in an apartment complex, and he's my neighbor. Um, so I see him quite a bit. I bust his chops about being a little chubby right now. Well, everybody's a little chubby right now, except me. Rob, you know, Robin and I are on uh, on keto, so we're the only people losing weight during this thing while everybody else How is do you putting feel on. About that? Has, it, has it been difficult for you? In the beginning, it was because you know I'm Italian. I love carbs. I need bread. I need pizza. I need wine. Pasta. I need pasta. You know, that's the hardest yeah. part. If you're Italian, and even if you're not, and if you love pasta and carbs and you crave carbs like we all do, that's the hardest part of this thing. It's getting it out of your system, though. It's like it, it really is like an addiction. And then once it's out of your system, it's not that bad. And the good thing about keto is you can still eat fantastic food. I, I have not once felt hungry throughout this time. You know, that's, that's impressive. That must mean that, A, you're keeping up your liquid intake, yeah. uh, and, and, B, that you're really uh, maintaining probably an every two- or three-hour kind of a, a food intake. By the way, speaking of great Purdue guys, I almost forgot the great Mike Allstott down there with the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Another guy who's very, very outgoing. Well, he's, no, he's, when you're around him, he's pretty quiet. But he's got that inner intensity that he lets out at the right times. Oh, Mike's an intense dude, brother. And his son was coming here. His son was at Purdue for a year. Uh, but then he got injured. I think he had a shoulder issue and he was a quarterback. And I think he kind of got lost in the shuffle, so he transferred out. Um, but we, we crossed, Mike and I crossed paths quite a bit for quite a while. Um, great dude, man. Great dude. So much fun to be around, too. No, I love him. We got, a chance to, we got a chance to be with him uh, a couple months ago in Tampa uh, for a memorial service for our good friend Steve Dumick down there. But Mike, when he played mm -hmm. for the Bucks, I got to know him. And the guy is just, you know, he's in the funeral business. You knew that, right? Yes, I did. His wife, right? I think, his wife's family owns like a, a, a funeral business. Uh, it actually runs funeral parlors. Yeah, man, that's kind of, kind of a dark occupation for a for an all pro guy that got out. And, hey, somebody's yeah, got to do sure. it, man. Hey. You know, somebody's got to do it. You're not. You hey, never, there's nothing else left to do. You're gonna die, buddy. Yeah, you I never run out of clientele. You never run out of uh, yeah. business, sadly. Hey, especially at times like this, too, right? Yeah, well, any time actually. Beautiful <laughs> stuff. Well, well, Matt, it's always great to talk to you, man. You're a lot of fun. And wait, wait, wait one, one more, more thing, thing. Wait, before you, have you one go. More thing? Yes, because when we were uh, in Atlanta, we did not get to see you. Because I believe you were out sick or something. I forget exactly what was going on. And then we found out later that the next match you had, you lost. So clearly it means that you need to see us before your yeah, next match. Yeah, you need the juju, man. When you come on our shows at the Super Bowl, you always win the next match. Uh, I, I, you know what? You guys could not be more correct. You guys are obviously my good luck charm. But my, 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 uh, my lucky treasure trolls you guys are. So we got to make sure this thing happens. Absolutely. So are you going to, you plan to fight again once this is all over and you're back in business? Oh, for sure, brother. My job is an entertainer. Like, the, the, sooner, the, the sooner back, the better. Uh, the world needs live sport and needs something to focus on other than uh, the, the mundane uh, routine of their lives right now. So if they call me and say, hey, we're, we're going to get some people together and fight tomorrow on TV, I'm saying make sure the paycheck clears and let's get after it. Now, I got some Indiana fans, our intern is uh, Caleb is from Indiana. He's going to class there virtually, and so he's one of our interns. He yeah, he's IU. He's IU, yeah. and there's a lot of IU people. But my, great, my, my favorite line of all time from Bobby Knight, 
I'm sick and tired of losing to Purdue. Yeah. Do you remember that when Bobby Knight would go crazy with that stuff? Gene Katie. Yes. yes. Yeah. Good old Bobby Knight. Now, do you hate Indiana people out there when you go to Purdue? Do you have to hate them? It's in the same state, but do you hate Indiana? You have to when you, you go know, to Purdue. I have nothing good to say about IU, but some people really, really enjoy going to high school, so they just decide to carry it on and go go to college just like high school. Same academics, same everything else. Oh, uh, okay. That's a good shot right there. Yeah, see, that's that's yeah. the kind of sports <laughs> oh, intensity. Oh, yeah. Great 13. <laughs> yep. Don't yep. lose that intensity, Matt. That's why we love you, man. That's why we love you, brother. <laughs> well, Matt, always great to talk to you, man. We'll keep in touch, and then... When you get ready to crank it up, and in the meantime, you can watch Matt and all the other great Bellator guys as they do it Wednesday nights. Episode starting tomorrow night, April 29th, 8 p.m., 5 o'clock Pacific time on CBS Sports Network. The, the heavyweight World Grand Prix. Say that fast five times. With the best fighters you've ever seen, MMA legends in the ring with Matt and the boys. Matt, thanks so much, brother. Thanks for, thanks for calling in, and we'll talk to you soon. Come on, man. Thanks for making time for me. There he is, the great Matt Mitchell. Let's give him a roaring round of applause.